Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message. This morning I would like to talk on the subject, the goat, the goat. The phrase, the goat, is an expression that has become a popular way to say the greatest of all time. So depending on who you like, some say Michael Jordan's the greatest of all time, Wilt Chamberlain, LeBron James, don't care, don't know. Some say Tom Brady is the greatest of all time, Tiger Woods, Abraham Lincoln, I don't know, Diana Reed. Yeah, I think we all agree on that one. Let me state the obvious. I believe Jesus was the greatest of all time. He was the goat of all goats. John said, John the Baptist, I baptize you with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. You ever met somebody you just weren't even worthy to touch their shoe? Jesus is the greatest of all time. He deserves our worship more than any sports star. He deserves our time more than any sports team. He deserves our attention more than any hobby in our life. He deserves our praise and our adoration because Jesus is truly the greatest of all time. Oh, hallelujah. But I would propose today that he was a goat for another reason. Even if you don't know a lot about the Bible, you probably have seen a manger scene around Christmas time. You realize that Jesus was born in a stable, a place that housed animals. And the common expression of Jesus Christ when you read Scripture is that he is the Lamb of God. John the Baptist would say this after he had he said, I, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoe. He, the next day he saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The expression that he is the Lamb of God has its roots in the Old Testament Passover holiday. The Passover holiday began when the children of Israel were escaping the, the slavery and the bondage of Egypt. They, they were called on to kill a lamb and to put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. And that caused the death angel that was going to pass by and kill all the firstborn. If there was blood on the doorpost from the lamb, then that angel, that death angel would pass on by. The blood of the lamb would keep them from 
facing the consequences of death at the hand of punishment. And so, too, we realize that it is the blood of Jesus Christ applied to our life that allows us to have the hope of what? Eternal life. I don't have hope in this life without the blood of Jesus Christ. It's the blood of Jesus that sets me free. The prophet declares that the Messiah will be as a lamb. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The end of the Bible in the book of Revelation, the the scripture says the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamb is its light. We realize that Jesus is the lamb of God. However, we find in Leviticus chapter 16, another glimpse of God's plan of salvation for his people. This time, though, it is not a picture from a lamb, but rather it's a picture of a goat. It is found in the law concerning the day of atonement. And this was the most sacred of holidays and still is the most sacred of Jewish holidays. It is the day that God would deal with the sins of the people. It was the Sabbath of Sabbaths. And this is the day once a year that the high priest would enter into the holy place and he would deal with the sins of the people. And here we find God dealing with the sin, but the animal used was not a lamb, it was a goat. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 7, it says, He shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then Aaron shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering. He is going to deal with the people's sin. Their sin for that year had accumulated. And so the high priest was going to deal with that sin. And so the law said that he was to bring two goats. He was first going to bring, though, a bull. And that bull would be sacrificed for his own sake, the sake of the high priest. And then they were to bring two goats, and those two goats would be for the sins of the people. And so there's this first goat. He says in verse 15, he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people. Bring its blood inside the veil. Do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. And so the high priest is atoning for the sins of the people with the blood of the goat. In verse 16, it says, so he shall make atonement 
for the holy place because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions for all their sins. And he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. And so when this high priest, he atones, he begins to atone for the sins of the people. He is seeking to cover their sin, to to stand in the gap for their sin. And what we understand is that this sacrifice of the goat is only a shadow or a type. It was a glimpse, another glimpse of the plan of God, God's ultimate plan of salvation. And God's ultimate plan was that Jesus would be the atonement for our sins. Jesus would be the sacrifice for our sins. A big theological word is the propitiation for our sins. He would literally stand in the gap for our sins. And just as that goat's blood was taken into the holiest place, Jesus Christ in his death rent the veil and his blood was applied to the mercy seat. And that's why Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews would say, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sin. That there was going to take, it was going to take something else and we understand it was Jesus Christ. But what we find in this atonement, in this account of the day of atonement is not just one goat, but there are two goats. And we realize the first goat The idea of the first goat was that there would be mercy applied, that the sins would be laid on that goat and he would be sacrificed and he would stand in the gap. He would be the mercy. He would provide mercy for the people. But it would be here that there is another goat to deal with. And it would be here that you would see a twofold way in which God deals with our sin. The high priest, and I don't know what this looked like or went down like. Why don't Austin and uh, uh, Ignacio, I want you to come up here. You're going to be a couple of goats. (laughs) So the high priest was going to decide. He's got to decide which goat gets sacrificed. May we decide. The Bible says that the high priest would cast lots. Now, our way would be to roll the dice or spin the wheel. One of them is going to die. So give me a number between one and five. Three, one. Perfect. Give me another number between one and five. Two and five. My number was two. So you die. I'm sorry. Good job. You can sit down. So this, you can sit down too, if you'd like. So this other goat, I, I don't know if he feels like the lucky goat. But you got you to gotta think he does. 
He, he's the one who got spared. But what we realize is that the scripture tells us in Leviticus 16.10, but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and to let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. The scapegoat. What a word. This is an English word that began really was was created by the man who wrote the first one of the first English Bibles, William Tyndale in 1530. The original language really it meant the goat that departs or it meant the the emissary goat. But William Tyndale, when he interpreted the Bible or translated the Bible, he used this kind of word as a scapegoat, e-scapegoat. And we've shortened it to be scapegoat. His translation would follow in the King James Version in the early 1600s. But what a word. And what a meaning. You ever been the scapegoat? You ever been the, the one that the accusations fell on? Scapegoating allows humans to point the fingers at others instead of accepting the consequences of their own actions. These targets are usually outsiders or a person or group who can, who can be readily dehumanized. And they can come in all stripes, political or religious or artistic or sporting context. There was a cow in Chicago in the early or the mid-1800s who became a scape cow, scapegoat. During the Chicago fire that killed 300 people and destroyed over 17,000 buildings, this cow, Mrs. O'Leary's cow, got blamed for the Chicago fire. Supposedly, she was milking the cow late at night, and one of the cows responded by kicking over a lantern, and, and the fire spread. But Miss O'Leary went to her grave bitter because most people believed that she was responsible. Her cow was responsible for the fire. And in 1997... A Chicago insurance investigator exonerated Mrs. Leary's cow. Said that the, star, the fire did start in her barn, but the cow wasn't the culprit. It was a careless pipe smoker, a neighbor of Mrs. O'Leary's, who discarded it. But that cow became the scapegoat. It was the blame, because people need to blame somebody. It was in 1986, the Red Sox were on the verge of their first World Series victory since 1918. It was during Game 6 of the World Series in 1986 that they were leading the New York Mets by two game, three games to two. It's Game 6, the game is at Shea Stadium in New York City. 
And by the bottom of the tenth, the Mets were, were done. The Sox were up five to three with two outs and one on base. So one more out, game's over, and they are well on their way. And things unravel horribly. Three consecutive Mets singles narrowed the gap to five to four, still two outs, runners on first and third. Stanley came into the game to pitch to Mookie Wilson. Stanley threw a wild pitch, allowing another tying run to score. And then it would be that dribbler to Bill Buckner. Anybody ever heard of Bill Buckner? Some of you have. Dribbled to him, went through his legs, and allowed the game to be won by the Mets. And ultimately, the Mets would win the World Series. But you got to blame somebody. Wasn't going to be the coach. Wasn't going to be the pitcher who threw the wild pitch. It was going to be Bill Buckner. And for the rest of his life, he was the scapegoat for that loss. And so that term scapegoat has a pretty profound meaning. I, I become the scapegoat for a lot of things in my house. <laughs> never, they're never my fault. Never my fault, but I'm at, I'm at fault for some reason. Some of you know what that's about. And you know, I, I willingly accept that. I'll, I'll be the scapegoat. So this term scapegoat, the word that we use can be attributed to Leviticus chapter 16. When the high priest had finished sacrificing that first goat, he turns his attention to the second goat. And this goat was going to be the scapegoat. And the scripture says in Leviticus 16 verse 20, and when he had made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting and the altar, he shall bring the live goat. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, live goat, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. That priest would lay his hands on that live goat. Now, I had a an experience similar to this, believe it or not, in this church. A person came to our church with a service dog. And the dog would sit in service. In one service, the person came up for prayer with their dog. And assuming they wanted prayer for themselves, I asked if I could pray for them about anything, and it was right over here. And so, assuming that they wanted prayer for themselves, when they responded with their dog here that they wanted prayer for their dog, I had a choice to make. How do you pray for a dog I, wanted, I didn't want to offend the person, but I also thought it was a little bit awkward. So I tried to, as subtly as I could, I palmed the head of that dog. 
So when I read that passage that he, I don't know if the dog was healed or not. But when the passage says that he laid his hands, both hands on that dog, and he whispered into that dog, he said or confessed over that dog the iniquities of the children of Israel. I guess I could have done that, could have spoke over the dog all the iniquities of the congregation. (laughs) This goat becomes the focal point of all the sin, all the transgressions. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 22 says, The goat shall bear on itself all iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat in the wilderness. The second goat, the scapegoat, after he laid his hands upon it, confessed all the sins, then this second goat was led out into the wilderness, taking those confessed sins with him. And herein we find, I believe, the twofold purpose of what Christ does with our sin. That Christ, with our sin, provides mercy for our sin. He covers our sin with his blood. But what I want somebody to understand today is that he doesn't just cover our sin with his blood. But Christ literally carried our sins away from us, separating us completely from the consequence of sin. And that's why when on the day of Pentecost, those people ask, what should we do about our sin? Peter replied, repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission or forgiveness or separation of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter preached to them the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel? It is the good news that Jesus died, was buried, and he rose again. That just as Christ died, that first goat's blood was shed. It is through repentance that we admit that we are guilty of our sin. We admit, we bring that sacrifice to the high priest and we say we are guilty of our sin. And so we repent, we die, we are sacrificed. But we also realize that not only do we die to our sin or say that we are sorry for our sin, but the Bible Bible promises that we are separated from our sin. And so when Jesus was buried in the grave, I submit he went to the wilderness. He went to a place where no man's land was. And he took all that sin that caused him to die on the cross. Every bit of that sin, he took it to the grave and he buried it away from everything. 
And he became the goat. He became the goat uh, that carried uh, our sins away. That's why when you and I are baptized uh, in the name uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we are buried with him in baptism. Our sins are washed away. Oh, hallelujah. They are carried away. They are taken away. We are buried with him in baptism. I want to tell somebody, I know you, you, you're clapping, but I want to tell you, it's as if it never happened. When he carried the sins away, it was as if it never happened. That's hard for me to wrap my brain around. There's a song by Casting Crowns that says, living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. And here's what I understand when I see the second goat, that Christ literally became the scapegoat. He stepped in our place and said, I am guilty, not them. Put the blame on me, not them. That's what happened when he died on the cross and was buried. Jesus stood in the face of judgment and said, I'm guilty, I'm guilty. I'm guilty, not them. This week, a woman was convicted of murder for shooting her neighbor. She was going to her apartment, not realizing she was on the floor above hers. And therefore, the layout of everything was the same. And she saw a man in which she thought was in her apartment and shot him. She was convicted of murder. And when she was sentenced, the brother of the man who was killed did something that shocked the world. He asked the judge if he could hug the woman who shot his brother. And the, the story says he hugged her and told her he forgave her. It was a powerful moment. But I want you to understand that Jesus didn't just hug us and tell us he forgives us. Jesus literally traded places with us. It would have been if that brother would have said, don't even lock her up. Don't even put her away. I'll take the blame. I'm the scapegoat for it. That's what Jesus Christ did for you. And so when you were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you have your sins carried away. They don't even exist. They are removed as if they never happened. Psalm chapter 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, 
so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. His mercy is great. His blood is able to cover every sin, but it doesn't stop there. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Do you realize today that when you were washed in his blood, when you were baptized in his name, that you're not just wearing a stained garment that says I used to be this and I used to be that, but God covered my sins. No, you were given a brand new robe. You were given a brand new place in heaven. You were given a robe of righteousness. That's why the Bible describes it as a white robe. It's brand new. No stains on it. The sins that that used to be on your garment, you know what? That garment got washed away. That garment got carried away. Oh, hallelujah. And you know, 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous, they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. All of us are in that list. And such were some of you. But now you're washed. You're washed in the blood of the Lamb. You're washed. But he doesn't stop there. He says you're sanctified. Sanctified. You're holy. You might have walked in here not feeling very holy, but you're holy. And you're justified. I've heard people say it's not probably a theological definition, but it helps us. That justified is that it's just as if I never did it. I'm washed, I'm sanctified, and I'm justified. How? In the name of the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of our God. Would you stand with me this morning? I don't know how you feel about your sin or about your life, but I'm telling you today that the work on the cross is not meant to just mend a few things that are broken in your life and then you go on your way. But he wants to carry your sins away from you as far as the east is from the west. With that first goat, the people could see the blood taken by the priest, but they couldn't see the blood poured on the mercy seat. You know, we can't really understand without faith the mercy of God. We don't quite understand how powerful it is. We know it exists. We believe it exists, but we don't see it. With that second goat, the people could see the goat walking into the wilderness. And so we, too, should see the effects of a life whose sins have been removed. God doesn't just see us as someone who he has shown mercy to. God doesn't see you today as just somebody he has sympathy for. He said, no, 
I see you as a brand new creation. Romans said, therefore we are buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. It's, it's a way. It's brand new life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? New creation. Old things have been passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You have the ability today to walk in newness of life by the blood of the Lamb, by the sacrifice that He did. What I thought of, I thought of this idea of these, this goat walking away carrying those sins of the people so far away. And I thought, you know, I wonder if I would be satisfied to let the goat just take him away into the wilderness. Or would I try to follow the goat? And I, I, I thought, you know, maybe that's what we do sometimes. We don't let Christ carry our sins away. We kind of stay at a distance, following our sin, following those things in our life that get us into trouble, just trying to stay at a distance. We know we found mercy over here, but maybe it's curiosity, maybe it's, I'm not sure I can accept the fact that he would take all of my sins away. But today I wonder, I wonder if somebody would really surrender to the goat. You would surrender to the greatest of all time. You would surrender to a God who loves you unconditionally. That's hard for humans to accept because we don't love that way. You do me wrong, what do we say? I'll forgive you, but I'm not going to forget. Some of you feel justified saying that. Go ahead, feel justified, but that's not what Christ said. And that's not what Christ did, thankfully. Christ said, I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to forget it. As far as the east is from the west... Some of you have prayed prayers and asked God to forgive you of things that you've done in your past, but you keep bringing that goat back to church as if you're still guilty of those same things, as if Christ views you in relation to something you asked him to forgive you of years ago. Christ forgave you, and he carried your sins in the wilderness into the depths of Hades, into the grave. He buried your sins. Why? So you could carry them back? So you can wear a tattered garment? No, so you could wear a robe of righteousness. Be somebody brand new. God loves us today. And I feel the touch of the Lord. Some of you need to accept the fact that God has forgiven you of your sins. 
completely forgiven you. If you've asked for forgiveness, he will forgive you. He is faithful and just. He's faithful and just. And so stop walking that goat around. Let it go in the wilderness. And if you mess up again, then we need to send another goat in the wilderness. But don't pull that goat that God has forgiven you of. He spoke forgiveness in your life. Don't keep pulling that out and saying, that's who I am, that's who I am, that's who I am. God, I pray right now. I pray right now for those in this room today. God, who are wrestling with their full surrender to you. They're wrestling, God, with an attitude that they're not sure that you could really forgive them. Not sure that you could really release them of all guilt and shame and debt. But Lord, I pray that we would see your sacrifice today. We would see your work on the cross and we would realize what it means for us that you truly did forgive us, oh God. You truly meant it in your word that you are faithful and just to forgive. You truly meant it in your word that your mercy endures forever. You truly meant it that we can be a new creation. You truly meant it that we can wear a robe of righteousness. Oh God, I pray. I pray, oh God, free us in the Holy Ghost today. Free minds that are bound by the voices of the enemy and voices of shame. In Jesus' name, I wonder if somebody would step out of your pew right now and say, you know what? I'm going to accept what Christ is saying about me today. I'm going to accept that I am a new creation in Christ. Oh God, I pray. If you've asked him to forgive you, I want you to come today with confidence uh, that he's forgiven you. If you need to ask for forgiveness today, you need to repent of your sins. I pray that you would do it today. Repent of your sins. Ask the Lord to wash you in his blood. If you've never been baptized, if you've never had your sins carried away, I wonder if you would do that today. You would be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.